Let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. Um, we are going to dismiss Children's Church, so our preschoolers um, can go. We're going to keep our kids in here this morning, and I and I think it's by the providence of God, quite honestly, because um, I really I want our kids to hear the testimony. This morning's sermon is going to be different, and so we're going to dismiss our preschoolers. Don't know if we have any preschoolers, but anyhow, uh, but we're going to ask our our kids, our elementary school kids, to stay in here. And um, I think what the story that will be told today will be very significant, even uh, for them. I wanted to. Uh, hey, I appreciate you bearing with us. We've had some technological uh, challenges this morning, and. Um, of all the Sundays, I, ha I have this 14-minute video testimony that I want to show in just a minute. And I'm thinking, of all the Sundays, it's going to go down. And so the pastor's just rolling through things in his head there on the front pew, thinking, oh, what are we about to do here? Because half the sermon is technology. Uh, but, and I don't know, if, are we in the clear? Okay, we're in the clear. I've been given the thumbs up. Uh, I wanted to bring our sermon series, A Reason to Believe, to a personal level today. Um, we actually started the sermon series on a personal level as we talked about the stories of four men, Augustine, C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, and Lee Strobel. Um, and we've talked about some technical things for about four weeks, and I thought it was good that we would bring it back down to a personal level. Uh, several months ago, um, as I was uh, thinking about this sermon series and preparing for it, there, there was a personal story that uh, popped in my mind. And it relates to a friend of mine by the name of Scott Saunders. And he was going to be here this morning, uh, but lives north of Tyler and and actually, he and I have done some stupid things in our life, uh, and uh, this was not going to be one of them, though. We're, we're, we're 59 now, so it's like, okay, probably the smart thing is not to do this. In fact, uh, I was going to make fun of him this morning, and so most of my material, Brother Cody, is, is out because uh, he's one of those guys. Uh, although, if he does ever show up for church, just know uh, that everything I don't want you to know about me, Scott Saunders knows. <laughs> so it's a little scary. I don't think I was actually brave enough to make fun of him uh, if he were here. Um, but Scott Saunders is a personal friend, a lifelong friend. And we were raised together in Wichita Falls on the same street. We went to church together. Um, we went to, went to elementary school part of that time. We went to junior high. We went to high school. Uh, we were roommates at Baylor. And uh, there's only a couple of the guys in my life from childhood that I'm still friends with. And uh, anything Scott Saunders doesn't know about me, those two or three other guys do. Okay, so um, they're, they're fine young men if they ever show up for church. Um, uh, Scott Saunders has a, a son by the name of Sam. And uh, Sam, I think, is a year younger than Hannah. My Hannah. He also has a Hannah. 
Uh, and Sam went off to college at Louisiana Tech, and he was an, an environmental science major, which is, um, in my thought, is an interdisciplinary major that probably ties into biology, chemistry. And so that's, he's gone off to college. And uh, Scott and I talk a couple times a year, quite honestly, generally. Um, but one day Scott called, and it was just uh, it was a gut punch conversation uh, that he he said that uh, Sam had been more and more distant the longer he'd been at college, and uh, they kept pressing him, what what what's going on, what's going on, and finally, Sam, uh, I think Kim and Scott were sitting in the Lowe's parking lot one day when Sam finally called and just. The gut punch that said, hey, I just need you to know this is a kid raised in church. His father's a Baptist deacon. Uh, said, I, I don't believe in God anymore. And uh, just, you could imagine as Christian parents just how your sense of just your world collapsing. And Scott and I really are on crying terms, okay? You know, we're kind of those guys. You know, we don't really cry in front of each other but that was a gut-wrenching conversation that day as he called me and really all Scott asked he said would you pray for Sam and um, um, I don't know if y'all know this but um, I have a personal prayer list on my phone uh, and some of y'all in the room are actually on it whether you know it or not but anyhow uh, but that day Sam Saunders went on my personal prayer list just to begin to pray that God would do in his life what he needed to do and um, so um, when I thought about this sermon series I thought I want to hear Sam Saunders story and uh, so this week he videoed it for me or I interviewed him and we edited it uh, to edit me out and I, I want you to know it's 14 minutes long okay and it it goes against everything you ought to do in a, a sermon but I think it's very significant that we hear this and then at the end of this I want to make three brief points this morning okay but I want us to hear Sam Saunders testimony this morning Yeah, so I grew up, my family was always going to church, and uh, I believe I got saved at an early age. I was seven years old, and I came to realize that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior, um, and that it was maybe a bit naive at the time, but um, as I grew up, uh, I, I was trying to grow in holiness but all, you know all the time growing up in youth you you kind of stumble along the way and, and I felt like the 
element of repentance wasn't as important to me. It wasn't something I thought on as much. I would go through periods, you know, to where I'd think of it a lot, but it's not something I was thinking of day in, day out, you know, and, and here and there in high school, going to, going to, um, youth group there, I, I would, I was active in it, but then I would also get drawn in by things of the world. And, and that kind of culminated after I left school, after I left high school and went away for college, um, and I was I was dating somebody, and and then I, I ended up living in unrepentant sin and sexual sin, um, and and through this time, you know, I was also around a lot of friends who were, you know, these intellectual sorts um, that were atheists and and all this. And so this during this time, I would try to justify uh, my stance to them. But then also at the same time, I, I started living in sin, unrepentant. And just here being around uh, this sort of crowd and, and hearing the arguments and me just hardening my heart and living in sin and following it and not even trying to repent, that I, I came to the point where I was like, okay, I can't keep saying I'm a Christian if I'm going to keep doing this. And I, I wasn't thinking it in these exact words to myself at the time, but looking back, it's really clear that I just, I had this, I say, I believe one thing, but I do this sort of tension in my life. And so it just came to the breaking point where I said, I don't think I believe in God. And, and I think it's clearly a direct result of me hardening my heart to sin uh, because of my sin and just following those desires. And so with, with, you know, internally I, I had this sort of subconscious dialogue going on where I can't really say, I believe this and not in any way act like I do. And so then I, I started professing, to be an atheist and I did for five, six years. Um, but that's really where it came about from was just being able to justify the way I was living to myself. It was about six years I was professing to be an atheist um, and I was just kind of, if, if you really are seeking to be consistent in that sort of worldview, you start to adopt this mentality that nothing really matters and everything's relative. And uh, probably about, let's see, it would have been the end of 2016. So about four years in, four and a half years in, then I started kind of wrestling with some of these things. Like I had previously been depressed as a result of this uh, sort of worldview, nothing really matters. Um, but at this point I was feeling a little more optimistic about life and, um, well, I just, I was still seeking after the same things. And through this time I started seeking just, uh, you know, a good time, a party and, and women. And, and it was actually uh, a girl that I had begun a, a relationship, if you want to call it, it probably rightly can't even call it that. But I was, I was talking with her and she was kind of the pseudo spiritual type, you know, but God even used her 
she's like you know i don't even i don't think that this is right this just hooking up with people having sex casually i don't think that this is the way god intended it um but she by no means professed to be a christian but is kind of uh picked a couple little things that felt right and you know and so she got me kind of thinking about it more but then also a roommate that i was living with who was also an atheist we would be talking about just kind of current events and stuff that we were seeing going on in the world and uh we started we would listen to this podcast that was talking about um horrific crimes and and so you know we were just thinking about these things and how they're so prevalent in the world and i was like this is truly objectively wrong which kind of was a turning point for me because everything was relative before i i came to this recognition that no this is objectively wrong so what's that say well there's got to be some objective right if just in my soul as a as a a spiritual being as we all are god imbued us with a soul then we know there's wrong we know there's right god's made it apparent through his creation um, and we can see the effects of sin in our world is broken, but that kind of was a turning point for me. And, and, and then continuing to see some of these current events and how disturbed I was by some of the stuff that I see that's going on and, and also recognizing that many of these things are adopting purposefully a, a, a stance that is diametrically opposed to Christianity is completely um and intentionally and you know even satanic right why would they do that why is it wrong for the satanists uh everything they're standing for why is why is that wrong is that a coincidence you know so i'm starting to think about these things all the more and uh at this point i start doing seasonal wildlife jobs and i'm in i'm in florida and i'm thinking about this a lot more um after this i go to ohio I'm continuing to think about this, but guess what? Again, I get involved with a woman. Um, so that it was interesting because she was very much the biology type who's, you know, ascribing to all these sort of uh, very worldly philosophies. And so I'm, I'm sitting there listening to her. And at the same time, I'm still kind of agreeing with some of this stuff. But I find myself defending Christianity whenever she's attacking it and and talking about um, how it's it's silly to believe these things. And I'm like, really, it's it's not. Um, and so I find myself in this situation. I finished this job. God thankfully delivered me from a relationship I shouldn't have been in. I came back home to Lindale, Texas, and uh, I'm thinking a lot about these things. And so I'm, I'm like, you know, I haven't actually given this a fair shot. At this point, I'm starting to recognize I just wanted to justify how I was living and adopt a philosophy. But now I'm starting to notice these things in the world that are that are opposed to this philosophy I'd adopted. So I, I think to myself, I hadn't really actually given a fair listen, a fair um, consideration to Christianity. So I start going to church with my parents, uh, as I'm between these seasonal jobs. Um, and I'm going and I'm considering these things 
and all this while I'm listening to documentaries uh, or watching documentaries uh, that interview a lot of like Christian biologists, geologists, things like this, ways to explain a lot of the common uh, contradictions to Christianity that you'll hear from like scientific communities being like, oh, the earth is clearly 13 billion years old and there's no flood. Well, <laughs> it's funny because so much of this is so speculative. It's not truly scientific. It's it's trying to interpret the data and from the past and, and filling in the gaps and that's inherent to inherently speculative and uh, you know through some of this consideration i started rec recognizing that really your worldview shapes how you're going to interpret a lot of this so uh, and i'm through this time i'm trying to stay as as uh as impartial as i can as unbiased but uh i'm continuing to deal with these these matters these spiritual matters of evil and right and and i'm hearing the gospel is a big thing. I'm I'm going to church. I'm hearing the gospel. And uh through hearing the gospel, the spirit the spirit worked on me. Well I was seeking Everything opposed Christianity. Power of the Spirit. <laughs> Through the gospel, Jesus Christ. God brought me to himself. And, uh, you know, it it really came to a head because at this point, my heart is, is heavy with all this. I'm convicted of the truth of the gospel and of the reality of right and wrong. So at this point, I think really internally in my subconscious that I was really looking for a reason to just be able to rationally say just one thing, really, uh, that I can I can with confidence say that this this is reliable. It's not just a story. And so I, I was reading more than a carpenter. Um, and I had, I had gone to Big Bend National Park with, with my dad and my sister, and uh, I was reading this, and on the way back, I was reading it, and the, the part that I found really, uh, that really sticks with me is just, if you're going to judge the Bible as a historical document and compare it with other historical documents, then you find that it's orders of magnitude more reliable. Um, literally, you know, the next best thing, it's like something like, 500 times more copies or something like that. If you're going to look at Julius Caesar's Galactic Wars with, you know, it was 12 at the time. I think that was written copies in the Bible. The New Testament had over 6,000 manuscripts. Julius Caesar's Galactic Wars was written a thousand years after the events that, that it's reporting on. Whereas you're within the same generation with the New Testament and you have specific eyewitnesses uh, that are recorded in the scriptures and that's not an accident it's so that people that were reading this could go and say hey I know him I'll go ask him did it really happen like so and and 
it wasn't shut down, right? It, it only continued to grow. So, so that, um, that was more than enough at that point. Uh, and really I realized that the only reason that I wouldn't believe based off of that and some of the other stuff I read in that book and also just from the conviction of my heart, that was the Holy, the work of the Holy Spirit. The only reason I wouldn't be believing is because I really didn't want to. And, and I came to the conclusion, the reason I had professed unbelief before is because I really didn't want to. And I really wanted to live um, as king of my own life. So that's really the long and short of it. Yeah, so I grew up, my family was always going to church, and uh, I believe I got saved at an early age. I was seven years old, and I came to realize that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior, um, and that it was maybe a bit naive at the time, but... Um, you, who have intellectual barriers to the gospel... In fact, I believe as our culture drifts more and more away from a Christian worldview, this will be more and more the case. There are people around you that have intellectual barriers to the gospel. The challenge is to be prepared to speak truth to them. Be prepared. In fact, that's what is at the very core of this sermon series, that you and I would be prepared to speak truth to those that have intellectual barriers. Uh, in 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Uh, my sense is somehow when we have made it across the bridge to safety, we forget what it is like to live on the other side. And I think part of the problem is it takes effort to go back across the bridge to help somebody else come across. And I'm telling you, part of that effort is to be prepared to deal with the intellectual barriers in their life. But there's something else, the second. With that being said, I want you to understand that ultimately the battle is not mental it is spiritual. So, so don't lose your focus in the midst of that. Don't think, oh, I can give them enough intellectual reasons for the gospel that they will come to faith. No. Ultimately, the battle is not here. The battle is here. And so my, my challenge to you is that you Pray for the surrender of their will. Pray 
for the surrender of their will. Because that will be the point that they cross the line of faith. You see, ultimately, it's only Jesus that changes someone's heart. Um, Paul describes it this way in Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. He says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The battle is ultimately a battle of the heart. And even if we were to change their minds, only Jesus can change a heart. Um, third thing is understand that repentance is not a one-and-done thing. Repentance must be ongoing. And just let me remind you what repentance says. Repentance says, I am not in control of my life. I've given that place to Jesus to be in control of my life. Um. We can profess with our mouths that we are Christians. Or, as I described in that first sermon on the existence of God, we can profess with our mouth to be theist, but live with our life as atheist. And what's the difference? It's to say, yes, God gives meaning and purpose, and he is the Lord of my life. And we can even make a decision and give him the throne of our life. And then all of a sudden, there can come issues, times in our life, where we take back control. And we say, I'll run my own life. We say, I will be my own God. To be consistent in a Christian worldview. If God is God, then God must be allowed to be God. I don't, I don't get to make choices in my life. Uh, this is what I describe in my welcome as, as a death to self. And just there's a number of scriptures, but in Romans 6, 3 through 6, Paul says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection 
knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Christians, if God is God, then you must allow God to be God. We don't have the right. It is to live in unrepentance, as Sam Saunders would say, to say, no, I will choose to do what I want to do. That is to live as an atheist, apart from the almighty God. Um, repentance must be ongoing. One of the things that I will contend for is that if you espouse a world view, you must be consistent in that world view. And it is inconsistent to profess with our mouth that we are theists and live as our, in our lives as atheists. And all I'm contending is that you be true to the world view that you espouse. If God is God, then let but God be God. And here, here's what's going to happen. Uh, and we're kind of at halftime in this sermon series. Uh, but we're about to start the second half and game is on. Because we're going we're gonna to pivot and we're going to turn our attention to Jesus Christ. And the issue is, what will we do with Jesus Christ? You thought Donald Trump was a lightning rod? Jesus Christ is the ultimate lightning rod that divides people. And creates a reaction. <laughs> He's always going to create a reaction. But if you begin to walk down that road of a worldview that says we have reason to believe there is a God, that He is our Creator, that His Bible is true, and even as we talked about last week, that He has a greater purpose even in the midst of evil, then you begin to be boxed in. You paint yourself in a corner. And if that is all true, then there is a way that we must live. And so I want to challenge you, if you'd stand this morning, and I want to close in prayer. Can I challenge you with a couple things from those three points? Would you be prepared to give a defense of the gospel to those that have intellectual barriers? Would you pray? There are probably people in your life maybe like Sam Saunders and I'm, I'm here today, today to tell you only Jesus can change their heart and what moves the hand of God prayer and I, I joked with Sam Saunders I said well it was only about a year or so ago I took you off my prayer list you know your dad said you were you were in the clear <laughs> you know, you'd come out of it <laughs> but for I think for about six years Every morning, Sam Saunders is on that list. Oh, God, would you do what only you can do? And isn't God good? And what God did in Sam Saunders' life, he can do for that person, that child, that parent, that cousin, I don't know who, that work associate who needs to surrender their will. And my last challenge, if you're a Christian, live it. The world just wants to see that we are consistent 
in our worldview that if God is God, then I live not as an atheist, but as a theist that believes in a personal God and ultimately in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here. Let me pray this morning. Father, today we pray that you would make us sensitive to those around us that need to be changed for the gospel. We thank you for Sam's story today of a life that was redeemed back. And Father, we pray that you would be glorified through this and that, Father, we would see you do it time and time again. And we trust that to you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.